You're listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your number one source for discussions about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Now, get ready for a new episode of Vol Basketball Fever. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, joined by Gene Henley. I want to welcome you all in and say thank you all for tuning in, whether you're watching this on YouTube, whether you're listening to this on your favorite uh, podcaster app of choice, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever it is you're listening, where, everywhere you can find podcasts. I want to welcome you in and say thank you. Welcome into the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe while you're here if you haven't already give this video a like and please leave your comments down below we'd love to hear your thoughts on anything and everything we say in this podcast whether you agree or disagree your thoughts on the Kentucky game or any other game that Tennessee's played since we last did a podcast or any upcoming games or anything else you want to comment on down in the comments let us know your favorite food I don't I don't, I don't care we, we'd love just to hear from you guys and obviously comments help out the uh, YouTube algorithm stuff so gotta plug all the YouTube stuff Gene but let's get into the the podcast here well, you know what we're going to talk about here to start this one. It is Tennessee takes on Kentucky on Tuesday night, a late night tip-off in Thompson Bowling Arena, and Gene, the Vols got revenge. Uh, you and I were talking before we hit record here. It was not a shock that Tennessee won the game. I, I was a little surprised it ended up being kind of the the way Tennessee controlled it. From, I wouldn't even say from start to finish. It was kind of from like the the, I guess, the 15-ish minute mark in the first half then to finish because the first five minutes, Kentucky – had a lead and, and it was kind of back and forth for a little bit there, but then Tennessee is able to take control and they never really let back. Kentucky got it down to, I think an eight point lead in the second half. And that was as close as they got it. Tennessee brought it back up to a double digit lead pretty quickly. And they got it up to a 20 point lead at one point in the second half ends up winning by 13, led by 14 at halftime, one by 13, uh, 76, 63. Uh, Gene, there's a lot to talk about from just this game specifically. So we, we'll obviously talk about it, but I think there's, I want to talk about some more stuff moving forward too, because this game is important, but there's to me, in my opinion, just as an important game coming up this weekend, the gene, this was a, it was a fun game to watch. If you're a Vol fan, not so much if you're a Kentucky fan, probably, but it was a fun game to watch uh, for, for Tennessee's offense. They, that was a crisp showing, at least in the first half by the offense, uh, Tennessee looked really good. Again, they looked basically polar opposite of what they did against uh, Kentucky and Rupp arena uh, from their defensive perspective, especially, but I think the biggest takeaway for me and, and you, I know, from what we're talking about, and probably the fan base in general from this game, wasn't Vescovy. He had 18 points. He had he hit a couple of threes. He was four or six in the free throw line. It, you know, he did his thing. Ken, I will say Kenny Chandler was a big takeaway. He had a very impressive game, too. 17 points, no turnovers, six assists, and he was five of nine from the floor, three of five from three, four of four from the free throw line. He, he looked every bit of a five-star in that game. I think he's worth talking about a little bit more in a second, too. It wasn't Ziegler, though, even though he had a really good game as well. Again, 14 points, four steals, four assists. Uh, he was two of three, uh, two of four from the three-point line. Fulkerson's worth talking about. He looked more like the type of Fulkerson that Tennessee needs, and he's looked like that the past couple games. 14 points, eight boards. He really abused Oscar Shibway on, on when Shibway was on defense. Uh, Fulkerson was able to use his athleticism that he does have and his quick feet uh, when he had the, the ball at the top of the key to be able to blow by Shibway and get to the paint. But Gene, the biggest difference maker in this game for Tennessee, and it wasn't the reason why they won by 13, 
I don't think, or it wasn't, it wasn't exactly the reason why they won, I guess I should say, but I think it's maybe the reason they won the way they did was Jonas Adu, the true freshman who you and I had talked about in the offseason a little bit and fans were, you know, wondering where he'd been. Obviously he got sick and he's, he's more of a developmental guy. Even though he was a five-star, he's more of a developmental five-star than, you know, say like a Paolo Bancaro or a, I guess you say his last name or Jabari Smith or, you know, some of those big guys, but Adu comes in this game, plays 18 minutes, five points, seven boards, three blocks, and he really bothered Sheepway, and he was a rim protector. Gene, he, he looked like a combination of uh, of Kyle Alexander and Eve Pons out there with the way he was able to protect the rim and block shots. So, again, there's a lot to unpack from this game. We can talk about the the really, really technical that John Calipari got, <clears throat> that that scrum on the you know when Fulkerson dove and fell into the bench, and there was a scrum there with the uh, – the Kentucky strength coach and Sakai Ziegler and the rest of the team. There's, I mean, there's plenty of things we can talk about from this game that I'm sure we'll dissect in a second. But um, I think to me, Adu is probably the biggest takeaway in a whole multitude of takeaways from this game. Adu's emergence as an actual legit defensive option for Tennessee and a guy who I think has earned himself some more minutes moving forward. Uh, I think that that could be a big difference maker for this team and, and for the season for Tennessee heading into the last half of February and into March. Right. And, and I think the, the reason why I, I was probably most impressed by Adu was Adu was like, he just basically did the one thing that is so easily translatable for a high school kid going to college for a tall, for a, a tall kid going from high school to college, just be tall. Like, I mean, that's like, there are so many different, things like you look around and you see a Jabari Smith that's a special breed uh Banchero is actually more what um Shibwe size which is just scary in terms of just the things that kid can do yeah. he's like 6869 like 240 Shibwe is like 255 260 but um you know like the thing that I, I like about do is like his offensive game is not there not I mean that's that's fine like being a five star doesn't mean that you are one of the like elite prospects. I think he was like in the low twenties or something anyway, which would tell me that he was more developmental as it was, was he was just tall. And, you know, when you're a guy like Shibway who kind of reminds me a little bit of Tyler Hansborough and it's the fact he just has this crazy work rate where he's just constantly working. He's got great hands. He's always fighting for rebounds. I mean, that kid is amazing with rebounds. When you average like 14, 15 a game, you're you're elite at – you have an elite skill, um, and, and he has that. But, you know, no matter hard, how hard you work, if you've got a kid who's taller, um, you know, quicker, and, and uh, you know, Adu is both of those things, um, and, and obviously longer, then – Life gets really hard for you. And I think aside from that one little basket in the second half, which wasn't technically on him, I felt like I think I think they called a foul on, Fol- on Fulkerson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, Sheboy did nothing against him. And, I mean, Sheboy actually became a liability yesterday because he gave you nothing offensively, and he's not very quick, so he couldn't really guard Fulkerson. And Fulkerson was able to kind of eat with some baskets on, on some drives and things of that nature and obviously like the you know you know Fulkerson has an elite skill where he kind of catches the ball at the top of the key and you know everybody knows he's going left everybody knows he's going left but yet he still is able to go left for a layup and um like I I think 
you know, big picture, there's nothing to take away, but you see performances. Ziegler has some good moments. Uh, Chandler had the great first half. Uh, Adu, I think, you know, was, again, in my opinion, was like their most valuable player. Josiah comes out, you know, with, you know, and is aggressive until he gets into the foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Like everybody that, that went out there and contributed, like played enough, like Fulkerson, um, Adu, like the guards, all those guys, of course, Vescovy. Uh, I mean, blew the one little layup, but I mean, that's fine. I mean, like, I'm not going to nitpick there. I mean, like, look, kids, you know, you make him miss shots. Like, that's the that's the thing that I think a lot of people will look at the least, like in terms of coaches or whatever. They'll look at, you know, your ability to make him miss shots. That's like the least important thing because that's just going to happen. That's basketball. But, uh, like, you just look at all the guys that they needed to make contributions last night. They did it, and um, – you know, they withstood, you know, the Kentucky run. I think the Tata Washington injury kind of uh, helped a little bit. But Tennessee had been in control of that game throughout. I don't think that's changing the outcome. Um, I just think it actually left it less in doubt at that point, especially the defensive effort that a guy like Vescovy was able to do on Kellen Grady to where Grady can't even get a shot off. The one time he got a sh- he got one shot off uh, when they were trying to scramble back into it. And other yeah. than that, he was like stepping out of bounds or, um, or, or you know, breaking five footers, or whatever. So um, the things that Tennessee does, uh, they did, you know, elite last night. They defend. You know, Kentucky did not get a lot done offensively. And I think that's a game where you need a Washington because he kind of opens some things up for other guys. Um you know, they, they're elite defensively and, you know, kind of took away what Kentucky wanted to do. Um, and, and, look, they got great games offensively from the guys they need to get great games from. Yeah, you mentioned Sheboy there. And it's interesting because you, you, if, you if you didn't actually watch that game and you just look at the stat sheet, you'd think, okay, Sheboy got his, his, his game in. He finished the game with 13 points, 15 boards, and a block and two steals. So, I mean, you say, okay, he got, he got his double-double, eight, eight rebounds, seven offensive rebounds, uh, three or three from the free throw line. You think, okay, you know, he he got it in. He he did what he needed to do. But you look a little bit further, even even just the stats. Again, without watching the game, you see he was five of fifteen from the floor. That's not very good, especially for a post player. That's not good at all. The guy who's supposed to be, you know, all his all his attempts basically aside from that that jumper he had. I think he had two jumpers um, from the top of the key, which he's he's really good at hitting those. He hit a couple of those against Tennessee the first time these two teams played. And I've watched some other times this year. He's he's got that jumper down. He can he can nail that really well. Uh, mid-range game but he was bothered I, I wish there was a stat gene on the on the stat sheet that had like number of shots blocked because I would be I would be really interested to see how many shots Shibuya of, of the 10 shots he missed how many of those are blocks because I know Adu blocked all three of his blocks might have been Shibuya blocks so Ferguson blocked him once heck Justin Powell even came in and got a block on on Shibuya at, at one point there Gene so I mean it, it's you, you're right like they negated him yes he finished with 13-15 but it was a, a an inefficient thirteen fifteen. He had seven offensive boards, and I think three of them came in one possession where he got his own miss because he was being bothered so much by what Tennessee was doing in the in the post there. And you were talking really good point about Kellen uh, Grady and, and Davion Mintz, the two you know most dangerous shooters, the most efficient three point shooters for Kentucky. They finished that game. Grady played thirty seven minutes, so he played all but three minutes of that game. Two of nine. And two of six from, from from three, so he he was very ineffective. Davion Mintz four of twelve, and two of six from three. So Tennessee did a really good job of of negating not only Sheway, but like you said, I think partially because Ty Washington was 
you know, only played 13 minutes and he was out for basically the whole second half there. Um, they did a great job of the defense of being able to fluster Mintz and Grady to where they were not being the effective three-point shooters they have been for most of the season, and especially the way they were when these two teams played in Rupp. So, I mean, Tennessee's offense was really good, but I think the defense deserves, especially in the second half, the defense deserves a lot of credit for being able to maintain control and not allow Kentucky to fight back to get it within more than eight points. Like I said, they, they got got it down to that, and that was, I think, the only time they got it below double-digit uh, deficit for uh, Kentucky in the second half there. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's just so many things I want to even – I'm trying to even, like, think about what to bring up. I think I'll, st- I'll stay in the paint, actually, because I think we both have touched on it a little bit with Fulkerson. Gene, he has been – I, th- I think it's we can say that maybe because he's finally knocked off the effects of COVID. We can say maybe it's this or that or whatever reason. We, basically, we would be speculating because I don't know for sure. But it definitely since the Olivier Camois injury, if I, I went back and I talked about this in the breakdown video I did, the preview for the Kentucky game, and looked at what uh, Ferguson had done, you know, since the Arizona game when he got COVID after that game, uh, from that point up until the South Carolina game was like a nine-game stretch. He was shooting like 45%. He was averaging like, I think, five or six points and three boards. You look at from the South Carolina game on, he was averaging, I I don't have the average up in front of me now from counting this Kentucky game, but he's probably averaging now about 10 points and six or seven boards in in the last four games. And look at the last two games where he had 12 points and seven boards, I think, against uh, Vanderbilt. And then he comes out with 14 points, eight boards against Kentucky, and it has a block as well. And I want to say he had an assist. No, he didn't have an assist. I, that was someone else I'm looking at. He had a block and a steal. That's what he had. But, Gene, we we have said this before. You don't you don't need Fulkerson to be what he was a couple years ago when he was an All-SEC player. Because we, I think you've said this exact thing. You saw what happens when Fulkerson is your best player, when he is your All-SEC player. You go 17 to 14 and you're on the bubble. And you, you maybe, you know, if you win a couple games in the SEC tournament, you get into the NCAA tournament. But we've seen what happens when Tennessee's best player is Fulkerson. They don't need him to be the best player, especially you know, on offense or even on defense. Like they, they need him to be a contributor who can give you seven, eight, nine, ten points and, and five, six, seven boards. And he's been that the last three or four games. And, and he was really good at abusing a, mitch, a mismatch against Kentucky last night. Uh, again, finished the game four of six from the floor, six of six from the free throw line. If this is the type of force that you know, doesn't have to be 14 and 8 every night, but if Tennessee can get, again, between 8 to 10 points and between 5 to 7 rebounds from Fulkerson on, on a, you know, consistently on a night in, night out basis over the next, you know, rest of, rest of this month in March, that is exactly what this team needs, what, exactly what John Fulkerson needs to bring to this team off the bench. Yeah, and I think the thing that I – you know, I appreciate you kind of shouting me out there. I think the thing, the way that I've tried to frame it was, um, you don't need the stats that make John Fulkerson an all SEC player, but you need him to be that sort of impactful force. Um, like you look at guys who are in, a, and I, I don't want this to sound bad or sound funny or whatever. I'm not being funny, but you look at guys who are older. Like it, it, it's like the next level. Like you know, go to the NBA. You don't look at guys, you go look at guys who are older or, or any sport professionally. Like you don't need now. Like Tom Brady's like a, an amazing or an Aaron Rodgers. Guys like that are amazing. Guys, but like compare him to Drew Brees. Like Drew Brees, you just wanted him. You needed to know that he could conjure up that sort of magic ever so often. 
But at the end, you could tell he wasn't that type of guy. Like, you don't need John Fulkerson to go out there and average 18 and 10 like he was at the end of that last season. When they look, they look, they were successful at that, la- that later part of that season, which speaks to the coaching job um, that Rick Barnes did. Mm-hmm. But overall, you were 17 and 13. I know there was, look, I know there was controversy. There was turmoil, Lamonte, blah, 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 blah. I get all that. I was there. But, like, all you need that guy to be is to just remind people that I still have that ever so often. Like, you want to turn it over to these younger players. Obviously, I know, I'm imagining that. I'd imagine that Barnes is really just begging. That's why, like, the performance that Adu had last night was so huge because he's he's begging one of these younger guys, be it Huntley Hatfield, Adu, whoever, you know, God, give me something. But it's also good to know that if they're not giving it to you, you've got a 6'9 guy that was all SEC at one point in his career who seems to have a – it's not even really a move who seems to have something that's pretty unstoppable. Like it's, it, it's, and some of it just speaks to just being, you know, I, I say this as a left-handed person to just playing the game of basketball left-handed because everything is done right-handed in the game of basketball because most of your players are right-handed. So if you're a guy who's just, regardless, you may know in a scouting report, this guy's left-handed, this guy's left-handed, but all of a sudden he attacks the basket and he shoots a shot with his left hand, and you're jumping. It's just it's an advantage to be left-handed in the game of basketball because it's like I don't know percentages, maybe ten percent of the guys who play, maybe not even that high. You, you know, you guard all these right-handed guys. All of a sudden, you guard a guy like Fulkerson who's left-handed, uh, Vescovy who's left-handed. I mean, what they have like six guys a couple years ago with Gaines and Vescovy and Bailey and yeah. Um, yeah. Josiah, like all these guys who are left-handed. That is an advantage to have because the game. Most of the guys you're guarding are right-handed. So um, you're able to throw this guy here who kind of has essentially an unstoppable move. It's, again, it's not like she weighs like some just like some freak in terms of like 45-inch vertical stuff. He's just a really hard worker. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. You know, he's one of those he beats you with effort guys. You know, and like you watch him play, he's just – He's just going to outwork you. That's, you don't average 15, 16 rebounds a game, you know, unless you are willing to outwork everybody that is out there on the court with you. Um, so, like I said, I mean, like when you when you have a guy like, you know, like Fulkerson, who can just remind you from time to time the type of player that he is, that is, that is amazing to have because as we transition into this the last three weeks of the season, you look at some of these matchups, now – you may get five, ten, fifteen minutes out of Adu, um, maybe not, maybe a little bit more or whatever. But like you figure out that um, you figure out pretty quickly. Oh, well, like last night you figure out pretty quickly. Oh, Sheboy can't do anything when Adu's in there. Mm-hmm. Because, so guess what? You play him more. Mm-hmm. You play the hot hand, even though it's not technically a hand unless it's the hand that's swatting away all of Sheboy's shots. But you're basically playing the, the hot hand there defensively where you're going with a guy like that. But, like, again, I, I've been critical of their interior game, and it's not like any, you know, offensively, I still feel the same way. I still feel like it's a weakness, and they're only going to go as far as their three-point shooting is going to take them. But on the other end of that, you know, of, of that interior game is the defensive side. And if, you know, Fulkerson has been around long enough to where he knows – you know, how to play the game on the interior. 
ADU is something that people are now going to have to factor in. How do you? How can we make? How can we render him useless in games? Um, and then there's Huntley Hatfield and guys like that. How's Plastic doing? Like, what's his status? Like, like they've been able to figure out a way to be at least serviceable there. Uh, last night was just a grand example of that, and you know, getting a big win um, at home in front of a, a really, really excited crowd. What what do you do with Adu if you're you know if you're the head coach team is is it because we we've, we've heard I think Ferguson has said that he like thinks he's doing better off the bench and wants to keep coming off the bench because of that so I, I don't think you're putting Folky back in the lineup but Huntley Hatfield I think he putting him in the starting lineup was a necessity because you had Kwal go out I think Huntley Hatfield's not been bad he he looked more exposed against Kentucky than he did in the previous games obviously Kentucky's better than Tennessee's been playing recently but even when he's out there aside from that defensive laps that got him taken out of the game real quick in the first four or five minutes. He looks fine. Uh, I thought in the time he's out there, but is this a case of where Adu's like earned starting minutes or is he a guy that you still feel needs to come off the bench just because he's more, I guess, one dimensional. Cause like you said, I, his offensive game isn't there yet. And that's fine. Like that's, he's got time to develop. He's a, a freshman. He's, you know, he's a, he's a more talented, higher ceiling version of Cal Alexander and as kind of how I'm viewing him. Um, and he's already, I think, I think he's further along, as a as a true freshman, than what Cal Alexander was at, at that at that point in his true freshman career, but is he a guy that still just needs to keep coming off the bench? Do you still keep starting Huntley Hatfield? You know, if you're the head coach, Gene, what would you do in this situation? I, I would kind of start things like I, I would keep going the way that they are right now because um, you want to kind of be a, you you want a dude to kind of be your in case of emergency break the glass. You want to make sure that he's still getting like 15 minutes or so in a game just because like you see it there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know what his, I, I can't think of a really good NBA comp. I just haven't seen the kid play that much. Um, you know, obviously he still has a lot of development to do right now. I don't know. I mean, I know his video suggested that he just liked to hang around the three point line and shoot threes. Um, but I, I think he's more than that. You know, like you start seeing the interior stuff. He's just a dunker now offensively, um, where I think Huntley Hatfield may have a little bit more, although he seems to blow wide open layups a little too often for my liking. Yeah. Um, but, like, again, I watch it, and I, I kind of feel like you just kind of keep things status quo. I mean, if you're, and if you're going to make a change, go with Fulkerson. Um, Fulkerson, it's not starting. Like they, they still go with – it still goes Huntley Hatfield and Plastic, right? Yeah, that's what they've I been wanna, doing ever since Cam. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, yeah, I mean, like if you're going to make a change, then I would go with maybe Fulkerson um, at that, you know, in that four spot, like you know, quote unquote four spot with Plastic inside. I mean, like I, I, I don't want to. I'm not trying to do anything more to load on this kid's plate yeah. early. Like you want to make sure that these guys are surrounded with enough you know, quality guys to where, um, like, they don't really have to do all that much. They just have to go out there and just play basketball. And a lot of what you saw from Adu last night was just playing basketball. Like, those those minutes are real easy when you're the guy coming off the bench. Like, it's just go out there, just go play. Like, I mean, like, it's very simple. Like, hey, understand, like, your job is to just go be big. You see that guy, don't let him get around you. He can't shoot over you. Just don't let them get around you. It's a pretty easy game plan for you. Like, I mean, all right, that's all you need to do, Coach? Yeah, do it for five hard minutes. That's all we need. 
maybe seven heart miss. Whatever the case may be, we'll get you a blow. We'll go get some offense from some of these other guys, and then we'll bring you back in for five hard minutes. Or I just mirror, you know, whoever the other team's my biggest inside threat is. You know, like you throw in, you know, you throw a, you know, Adu in there and just kind of let him just mirror this guy for a couple minutes. Like whoever it is, like I don't think I don't know if he necessarily can guard like a Jabari Smith. Because I need to see that kid out in the perimeter a little bit, mm-hmm. like guarding somebody on the perimeter. Because Jabari Smith, man, hey, that's not, that's an animal. Like that's a different animal. Yeah, it is. It's just a yeah. different animal. Mm-hmm. Like that's, um, like that's a kid who you watch him and you're just like, oh, I get it. Um, that's kind of what I thought that like Huntley Hatfield was going to be, but you don't take in consideration that Huntley Hatfield was supposed to be a senior in high school. Um. So there's a lot of he's getting hit with a lot of stuff right now, mm-hmm. and uh, he may be you know maybe if he's back next year, then he's what I thought he was going to be coming out of high school, but uh, maybe not. Who knows? Maybe he's just what he's going to be. But no, I, I would not do anything more to load on to Adu's plate right now. Just let that kid go play basketball for ten, fifteen minutes at a time. I mean, he's so far behind. Yeah, he just hadn't had a chance to play yet. I, I mean, the last thing I want to do is. Is roll that kid out there and let him get abused by somebody in one of these late games um, to where you kind of really hurt him um, a, li- a little bit. Like, you know, you worry about protecting the quarterback's confidence. But, I mean, same thing with some of these freshmen. Too. You know, like they're confident. Like you see what Ziegler's done and guys like that. But they've also played all season. <laughs> it's a little It's a little bit different when you just haven't been out there. If he's a junior or senior, I'd say put him out there. As a freshman – let him just kind of just keep doing what he's doing because he's been doing it pretty well. I think it's well said. I think that was the the way I was leaning too, but I, I wanted to get your take on it as, you know, someone who played the game more and has coached uh, AAU level. So I, I was very curious your thoughts on that too. Um, but what, before we kind of transition, I guess, to look at, looking ahead here, because you, you already mentioned Jabari Smith and they got me thinking about how Tennessee's bigs are going to match up with him and, and Walker Kessler. And I, I, that's going to be the biggest test of the year for Tennessee's bigs is that day. Not, not just, you know, not just Sheboy because that's, that's one guy that Kentucky had that was as a good post player, but man, Kessler and Smith are a whole different breed. So that, that was, I was thinking about that, but before we move on to this weekend's game and, and looking ahead to what you mentioned it and we you and I were kind of talking about it before we started recording here. How much do you like really take away from this game, other than the fact that you know what we talked about with Adu and kind of what we talked about from Ferguson? What what kind of grand takeaways are there from this game? Because I, I don't think that there's, I don't think there's a lot because we talked about and it, it's only fair for us to say this about this game because we said the same thing about the one in Rupp. You know, we said that that's more of a that was because Kentucky just wasn't going to beat whoever they played that night. They, they shot the, the hide off the ball, and no matter how good Tennessee's defense played or didn't play, like Kentucky's winning that game, it didn't matter. This was a little different, you know. This one, I don't know that Tennessee would have beaten anybody they played, but they would have beaten a lot of people on that court that on on Tuesday night. Um, I'm not taking away, like I, I'm not saying that this suddenly changes how I feel about this team and say, okay, this is a team that is for sure an elite eight, maybe a final four team or anything like that. I still think this is a team that <laughs> could get bounced in the first round and, and they could go to the elite eight. Like I, I still think this team, they've been playing a lot better recently. That, that you know they're on the eight game. SEC winning streak. They've only lost one game in their last nine. It was that one point loss to Texas. Uh, so they have been playing better since that Kentucky game in Rupp Arena. They, I think that was kind of the uh, something you and I talked about that that needed to be the 
I guess like the the big wake up call for them, the gelling point. And it kind of it seems like it has been to this team's credit. It seems like that's been the point where they said, okay, we can't let this happen again. We're going to make sure we can do everything we can so that it doesn't. But other than the fact that you know, Adu seemed you know, we we all of a sudden have realized okay, Adu's competent and has a role and can play a role and be a good defensive player. It looks like Fulgerson over the last couple of games he's finally getting back to being a guy who you can rely on to do something for you. I don't know that we learned anything really new other than that. I mean, I, I Chandler he looked phenomenal. I mean, he he legitimately looked really good. But he's shown, he's shown earlier this year that he can he can be phenomenal. Can he keep it up consistently? That's the big issue, because he may you know he's had some really good games and bounce and came back the next night and had a bad one. So does he go out against Arkansas on Saturday and not play well? I'll be very interested to see that. Zakai Ziegler again, that's not a surprise either. He's a guy who has been that high motor player and and the uh, <laughs> the instigator, I guess, is a way of calling him uh, for Tennessee all year. And, and again, he came came out had fourteen points, four steals, four assists. He had a block again, which was funny, uh, and a rebound, and he was four of eight on the floor from the floor, two of four from the three point line, and four of four from free throws. But Gene, I don't think this is a, I don't think this is suddenly like a big, you know, eye opening moment. Maybe it was for some national people who had kind of you know written off Tennessee a little bit after that Kentucky game, and you know, Tennessee hasn't played a big premier opponent since then, other than Texas, and they lost that game. So maybe maybe it's an eye opening to some national people, but for people like you and me and, and the fans who are listening to this who've been watching you know, game in and game out and, and follow this team every single day. I don't think that this is a – maybe to me the the biggest takeaway other than than Ferguson and Adu is that this to me legitimized, I guess, the way that Tennessee has been playing lately, that they haven't just been beating up on, you know, quote-unquote inferior SEC opponents, that they actually played a team that is more talented than them and, and probably I think a, just is still a better team than Tennessee overall. And they beat them, like beat them good. So I, I think that maybe to me it legitimizes the fact that Tennessee has improved since that that game in Rupp and is a better team and I think is, you know, playing more consistently now. But I don't know that we can really take away like all of a sudden say, okay, this is a team that is they're gonna go beat Auburn, they're gonna win the SEC, they're gonna go to the final four. Like I don't I don't think it changes my projections of this team drastically. It makes me feel more confident in them, but it doesn't mean I think they're gonna beat Auburn because I don't I don't. I still don't think they're going to beat Auburn, even though that is in Knoxville. But it it it, it doesn't put a, it doesn't put like a, a a huge injection of confidence into me. But it does raise my confidence level in this team at least a little bit, though. So I'm trying to think how I want to go about this because mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of threw uh, a lot at you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, no, but it's fun. Like, I, I, I think this was a very – last night was a hard game to go big picture for all, like, the, the reasons that, you know, that you mentioned. What's the – I don't know if, we're, if there's a measurement on this. I don't know if Ken Palm has it or not, but what was the difference in efficiency between – I know it's a big nerd question to ask, but were they that much? Because, I mean, I, I get it. Everybody, like, I, I get it. Everybody looks at all, I mean, the, the grand scheme of things. They're like, man, they, it's, you know, like they, you know, they beat them. They beat them down. And I felt like last night was a beat down. I understand it was 13 points, but I felt like it was a beat down. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm also looking, they scored three fewer points. Um in that game, 
I think they shot a worse percentage, Tennessee did, than they did the first time they met. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, that's – like, I look at it, yeah, like, they shot, like, 50-something percent from the floor. I'm looking at some metrics here. One point, you know, it's like I get it. It's the nerdy stuff. It's, it's the stuff that people don't really want to hear on a podcast. But, like, I, I'm just looking at – like, there's no perfect measurement. They had a better – they were slightly better offensively than last night. They yeah, were they, better defensively. Yeah, you're right. Look, looking at, I think looking a at lot Kim of Palm, that was. Sorry, looking at Kim Palm, you're right. They, uh, the offensive efficiency number for Tennessee the last time they played Kentucky in, in Rupp on January 15th was 108.1. Last night when they played Kentucky in Knoxville, it was 111.3. So it was a a you know 3.2, like 3.2 percent, I get whatever a difference in efficiency on offense for Tennessee. De- defensively was the big difference, but yeah, offensively. Uh, it was like a, it was a three point difference, which again that kind of correlates to what you said. They they scored three more points, <laughs> three less points, excuse me, uh, in this game than they did against Kentucky and uh, and Rupp. Yeah, and I think that a lot of that was again like fair foul. Like you don't have one of the guys that you kind of plan to have. I mean, I think I heard some stuff for Calipari said he probably. His gut said, don't play Tata, but he decided to play Tata, and then, of course, Tata gets hurt. But, like, that's – when you saw what that kid did in the first time they played, like, that's a big loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I say that to say, like, man, I, I think that – I don't think that anybody's ever questioned how good the, that, that the Tennessee team is good. I, I think the biggest concern that I've always kind of had is how good are they when the threes don't fall? And again, I felt like last night was a get back game from the from the get go. Um, like it felt that way. Like it, you know, you and I talked. It felt like the game two, uh, three seasons ago yep. when you know Grant yep. Williams and those guys they got beat down in Lexington and then came back and beat Kentucky down in Knoxville. Kind of felt that way. And like you kind of knew. I mean, when, like you kind of knew that that's like it, nobody in college basketball is beat. Kentucky as many times as Tennessee has like this is not a surprise this is not it's why I tell Tennessee fans all the time like stop propping regular season victories up over this team because you've done it more than anybody else they don't care over there you've got it like you've got to follow that stuff up in March you've got to build your teams to be the best version of themselves in March and you're not getting anything like you want to I get it I get it. I do. I 1,000% get it. But I'm looking at it, and I'm like, man, like the same way that, like, you know, you know, that Vandy fans try to prop up wins over Tennessee and whatever sport, and Tennessee fans just kind of pat them on the head like a little golden retriever. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm telling you, like, there's Kentucky fans doing the same thing. Of course, like, your, your, your big fans want to just like, sit there and say, I don't want to lose Tennessee. I don't want to lose Tennessee. And I've got, you know, I, I get that. But – like when I what I'm looking at is like that was a huge win last night, and, and but I look at the reason why it was so huge because you all just kind of I mean Tennessee needed to kind of keep pace for one of these top you know you know seeds in the league. Mm-hmm. Like you're looking at like it's bigger than Tennessee and Kentucky. It's the SEC. Like I always argue that Kentucky and Louisville is the best rivalry in college sports because you only in college basketball because you only play once a year. And we, you and I talked about that. That's why I, I still I still think that as Tennessee fans push back, 
you need to play Memphis once a year so you can enjoy that victory over Memphis for 365 or 66 or 380, whatever, however many freaking days goes in between games. You want to play them one time so you can sit on that. And they've got to sit on it for a while. And that's what you want. But, like, it, this is big because these are two conference teams. This is a conference game, man. Like, you know, Tennessee's hot right now. What is they won, like, 9 of 10 in their last – and their loss was a last-second play where, you know, you and I got mad at fans that are, like, anti-Josiah for taking that shot. Mm-hmm. They won, like, what, 10 out of 11 or something. Like, this Tennessee team is good. Like, they're not going to be judged by this game in the middle of February, literally the day after Valentine's Day. Like, can you continue to build off of this? Because how good is the win over Kentucky if you lose to Arkansas on Saturday? Yeah, that that was about like, to wrap it up. That's that? exactly where I was going to go. I, I think that to transition into that, I think that's that conversation about the Kentucky game has been one of the biggest things I think I've learned from Eugene and, and kind of taken away from our, our time doing the podcast when we started off as an SEC podcast and then we when we transitioned into what we are now, like the, a Tennessee specific one. Is that I I enjoy every win against Kentucky because there there had, was definitely a time in Tennessee basketball history where Tennessee just couldn't beat them. I mean it was you know they they would yeah. get swept by them year in and year out. They'd be lucky to win one out of every five. I don't take a win against Kentucky in the regular season for granted, but I I have learned to like you said not build it up so much to be this grand thing because it's great and like you said it, it's always great to beat your rivals. But I was more I was I was maybe happier because of the win last night, not just because it was against Kentucky, but like you just said, it moved Tennessee into technically into a tie with Kentucky for that two seed in the SEC. And I don't, I can't remember how the tiebreakers work for the SEC, but we still have, you know, like five or six games left. So it's not like pertinent right now to know that, you know, exactly. But Tennessee's right there for a two seed. If they can avoid that four seed, so they don't have to play, potentially play Auburn and their, you know, the, the second game where they play perfect. Don't put off playing Auburn in the SEC tournament as long as you can. Uh, Cause I don't think Tennessee is going to get the one seed. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're going to, you know, end up winning the SEC regular season, but it, it put Tennessee in a tie with Kentucky for that two spot. That to me was the, the biggest, biggest thing from this game. And I, I'm enjoying this win. And I'm going to enjoy this win. But I, I, I think again, to transition to this next game, this game against Arkansas this weekend on Saturday in uh, Fayetteville, Gene, it, it is, to me, just as important as this Kentucky game was because Arkansas is playing really well. I know they just lost to Alabama, but they stormed back in that game, or Alabama choked it, however you want to say it. Um, but Arkansas is a legit team. I'm about to pull up their schedule as I forgot exactly who all they have uh, beaten and played recently. But they, they've been playing, you know, I don't think well, they beat Auburn. Yeah, that's right. They, I mean, they, they're the one that, that beat yeah. Auburn. Yeah, they, they, they have been playing a lot better. They're, I don't know that they're as good as they were you know, last year when they made that run late in, in again, to February, March, and, and they suddenly came on hot uh, again, This I guess kind of around the same time last year. Um, and obviously, Bama still ended up winning the SEC. But this is a really important game. We, we Bud Walton Arena, you saw it in the uh, the Auburn game. They get rowdy. I mean, that that is a really good home environment for Arkansas. Arkansas has been a really good basketball program, you know, historically for at least since the nineties, uh, they've been consistently good. I mean, this team gene is a, uh, they're actually not as good offensively as I, I, you know, as I expected them to be, but defensively, they are very good. Look at their numbers right now on Ken Palm. Uh, they're 67th in offensive efficiency, but they're 18th and adjusted defensive efficiency and they have a really fast pace the, the number 21 pace uh, tempo i guess on 
on Ken Palm. But yeah, you, you look at who they've played recently. The Alabama loss snapped a like a almost like a almost like a nine ten game winning streak. Uh, they they'd beaten after after losing three straight SEC games to start off the SEC slate to Mississippi State, Vandy, and A and M. They went and yeah, they won eight straight. They beat uh, or nine straight because they also played West Virginia. They beat Missouri uh, at home. They beat LSU away. They beat South Carolina and A and M at home. Beat Ole Miss away. Beat West Virginia at home. Beat Georgia away. Beat Mississippi State at home, and then beat Auburn at home. I think those last two wins though have been, and they obviously lost to Alabama, and then they beat Missouri. But I think those those two wins that is mentioned, Mississippi State and Auburn, those were the ones that really solidified. Okay, they are actually playing better and, and doing well because they've beaten some teams that are. I mean, they beat LSU, yes, uh, but that was also kind of right around LSU was starting to play poorly. But every other game were games that you, you they should have won. They beat Missouri. They beat. South Carolina to beat Texas A&L, Ole Miss, Georgia. So you're like, okay, those are teams that you expect Arkansas to beat and be able to kind of, you know, lick their lick their ear, their bruises and, and kind of build up their ego a little bit. But then they go and beat Mississippi State, which is a pretty good team. And then they go, of course, and go in overtime and and beat number then number one Auburn uh, at home. Again, you follow that with a, a one point loss to Bama. But that, that's again not not anything to you know. It was, that was at Alabama. They're also very tough to beat in in Tuscaloosa, and you come back and, and beat against get a win against Missouri. This game is important. They're they're nine and four. They're right behind Tennessee and that four spot. If Tennessee wins this game, I, I said on Twitter like they need to they need Tennessee needs to do before the Kentucky game. I tweeted this out. I said Tennessee needs to do anything they can to win one of the at least one of these next two games against Kentucky and Arkansas get one of those really solidifies Tennessee in that number three spot in the SEC standings well they got one of them if they somehow are able to get both those wins and they, they can go out on, on the road and beat Kentucky or excuse me beat Arkansas too I mean Gene that is that is a vice grip on at least to me a, the number three seed. obviously Tennessee ends up the ends the regular season playing Arkansas too and it could come down to that as a who's the three or four seed but if they beat uh Arkansas on the road this weekend. Tennessee has their own. I mean, they control their own destiny for being a two or three seed in the SEC and having to, you know avoiding playing uh, Auburn in that I guess quarterfinal game if if they win and and advance to the next round or semifinal whatever it is. But I mean, this this game against Arkansas is every bit as important as the game against Kentucky just was. Right. So this could be this could be interesting because you're going up against the best defense in the SEC. Yeah, they're really good. Um, well, better than yours. Them or LSU, yeah. Like, I mean, no, right now, Kim Palm's got them as the best defense in the SEC. Gotcha. Uh, number one. In SEC play, they're number one. Oh, number yeah. Number one in so, a, a lot of – that yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, that is – so, like, that's why I'm saying it, I, I'm not – I can't take too much out of just the Kentucky win because I get that. Like, I – I get that one. That's the that's the emotional win. That's the get back win. Like that's the one you've got to have. This is a game where you're going on the road, tough environment. They're made. You know, I've I've heard for years that I don't think Tennessee gets enough credit with their home environment, but um, also don't think Arkansas gets enough too. And when Arkansas is good, there may not be a tougher environment than the SEC. But like I tough. would put. <laughs> Yeah, and like you know, now you see Auburn is growing a little bit now in that regard. Like those three, like I mean, like you see the SEC that is growing a little bit as a basketball league, which is just interesting um, to see. And it's funny that Texas and Oklahoma bring nothing in that regard to that. Um, but it, it, it's one of those things where, when you look 
like this is a huge game. This is bigger than Kentucky because Kentucky's the emotional game. It doesn't take much to get jacked up for that game, especially with what they did to you the first time. But now you're going up against an Arkansas team that seems to be figuring some stuff out. I mean, they you know they they're struggling a little bit with some you know some bodies that they just don't have. Now, I mean, like, Note is is being asked to do a lot. Like, they're starting to get some contributions from some other guys, but, you know, like, Note's their guy, and Note's a good player. But, you know, like, I, I'm sitting here looking, can you figure out how to win this one? Like, this is this is the huge one. Like, this is the one, like, like there weren't many, like, great victories during their big win streak. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, LSU and Auburn, you know, kind of stand out at LSU specifically. Um, and then Auburn in the big game, and that was just a huge game that, you know, like Auburn was, you know, obviously Auburn was number one in the country. So um, it's not like they've just gone through, like, a murderer's row. Like, I feel like Tennessee's played a tougher schedule in that regard. But, man, this is a massive game because, like, I think you get more out of – in terms of figuring this team out off of this coming game as opposed to the one you just played. Well, for one, because it's a road game. you knew, yeah, you knew under the circumstances, you knew that this team was going to come ready to play. You know, when you read the stuff that Zakai Ziegler said about, you know, how, how much that loss hurt at Kentucky, especially the way they got beat, when you heard the guys talk about it, you knew you were going to get Tennessee's best in that game, and you got it. Games aren't meant to be played perfectly, but they were by far the better team. High tie or not, I don't see. I, don't, I didn't see Kentucky winning that game last night. I thought that before the game ever started. But like this is one you're going into one of the toughest uh, road environments in, in the league. Um, you're still trying to figure some things out. You like your guard position. You're, you're still trying to you know re. You know, like trying to reinvent yourself in terms of interior, you know, with your interior minutes, um, with, with Huntley Hatfield and Fulkerson and Plastic and, uh, you know, Adu now. Like you're trying to reinvent some of this stuff now. You're trying to figure it out now. So, like, this is a massive game. It won't be looked at that way. I get that. But I said it's just as big as the game you just played, and not the whole is the next game, blah blah blah. <laughs> this is a big road game against a team that you're fighting for, you're jockeying for position in the league. It's not the emotional game, so you've got to figure this thing out yourself. You don't just have just built-in emotions. I get it. Like in Tennessee, Kentucky, that's just built-in emotions, specifically on the Tennessee side. That's just built in there. It's just there. Um, and, and whereas this is a game where it's a little different. And it's a little different. And Tennessee struggled on the road. Like, have they won a game on the road yet? Yeah, I mean, they they won against yeah. Mississippi State, and uh, but yeah, that was a that was a decent. That's not a bad win. The hump's hard to win at too. <laughs> right, right. So I mean, like they've had they've had their issues on the road, and and so like for them to take this next step and what they're trying to be, these are the ones you've got to win. Like in yeah, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sitting here looking now. I mean, like the Vandy game was a little bit of a struggle. Uh, you know, South Carolina, that was a blowout. I, I, I saw this. No, I mean, you're game. right, though. I mean, I've, I've talked about this multiple times in the different breakdown videos I've done. I mean, Tennessee has it has struggled a lot on the road this year. And that Mississippi State win was a good one, but it's not like a, Arkansas is a lot tougher of a road game. In fact, Gene, if you had to – I was looking up while you are talking. If you had to guess, what, when do you think was the last time Tennessee got a win in Fayetteville? 
in, in men's basketball? Man, like the scheduling so stupid I nowadays. I, I, 2006, I just pick a pearl year. You're not that far off. 2009, Tennessee's lost six straight games okay. in, in Fayetteville. So, yeah, like that. And those aren't always good teams. <laughs> yeah, they, they haven't like, been. That's the thing about it. Yeah. Like, Arkansas is very much uh, kind of one of those schools that could go up and down and up and down. You know, and so, like, and, and like the good thing for Tennessee is you look at the rest of their road schedule, it's at Missouri, at Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Missouri's considering uh, – We'll see what happens with Consul after the season. Um, what's his face at Georgia is gone because I've already heard some, you know, quote unquote scuttlebutt on who they're after for their next head coach at Georgia. Um, and, and like they're, you know, like you know, I'm already hearing about their next coach. So the one they currently have is pretty much out. So you're talking about teams that are that are about to check out. Mm. You know, specifically Georgia mm-hmm. at this point in the season. So you've got a chance here to pick up a couple. Those are the the wins you expect. Obviously, Arkansas and getting Arkansas back at home um, at the end of the season, that's nice as well. But this is one that could go a long, long way because you can build some momentum. Um, I mean, you can build some momentum off of this one because you can blow out Missouri. You're back, I mean, you're at Missouri, and that's sometimes a tough place to play. It's a pesky place to play. Mm-hmm. But they're not that good this year. And then you get the big one next Saturday. And we'll see what happens against Auburn. But like, if you can build some momentum by getting a a huge, huge road victory, who was the last? I mean, ask yourself this. Like, I don't think there's necessarily a good question, a good answer here. When was the last big road victory that Tennessee has had? I mean, it may be more recent than I think, but I'm having a hard time because that Tennessee team. That 18-19 team, Gonzaga was neutral site. They got beat by Kentucky. They got beat by LSU. And I mean, like, I mean technically, that, that 1920 team, they they beat that they beat Kentucky and Rupp. But I mean, that was a. But it's hard to it's hard to say that because that team obviously was a was a bubble team. But yeah, they beat that they beat Kentucky and Rupp. But other, other than I guess yeah, other I than Kentucky, like, maybe. Yeah. yeah, that's a good question. Like that's the one. It's been a while. Well, well, I'm trying to think the last time that that Tennessee was good, yeah. not upset somebody. I mean, like the last time that Tennessee was good, and the everybody is jacked up to play them. Yep. Because like I said, that Tennessee, Tennessee Kentucky game in 1920, man, that was a nine o'clock tip on a Tuesday, right before the end of the regular season, and Fulkerson goes off, and Eve Pons goes off, and Josiah has an amazing, you know, statistical performance. Um, like I remember, I, I remember that, but that was also like a 16 and 12, 16 and 13 Tennessee team at that point, mm-hmm. uh, that whose numbers, yeah, I think they were 16 and 12 cause they beat the Kentuckians and they got beat by Auburn last game of the season in COVID. Um, so like, it, it's been a while since you've had a, t- a Tennessee team top 25 kind of hanging around in there. And just goes into somebody's house and wins. Look, I'm sorry if I'm forgotten. Maybe that I guess Tennessee beat Kentucky last year in Rupp, but that was a good win. But that was all that Rupp team fell apart. Right. That, that but that was the that was Kentucky team that was awful last year. That was a problem. Yeah. So <laughs> like it, it's hard. It, it's a good name victory, mm-hmm. but nobody thought that. Could, I mean, man, that team was that Kentucky team was so bad. And you and I talked about this last year on the podcast. I flatly said 
this Kentucky team is so bad that John Calipari would completely change his recruiting habits. And what did he do? Yep. He went and got transfers. He's got like two or three freshmen. His best freshman won't even play. Um, and like he, and so he just completely changed everything. You know you're bad when somebody's willing to change everything yeah. because of how bad you are. Everybody. And I was there's some, you know, some after the season, you know, sad moment with the whole Terrence Clark stuff. But yeah. in the season, forget it. Y'all stunk. Y'all stunk. And so, like, it's it's hard. And I'm sorry. And if anybody, if they're listening and they, they have, they can find a time that Tennessee was top 25 in the country and went on the road and beat another top 25 team, let us know because, I mean, I'm not really – I'm glancing at my phone. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not really at a computer right now. So I'm doing a lot of this stuff off the top of my head, and I can't think of a team. Maybe that 18-19 season when they were just kind of just like the scrappy Tennessee team that's kind of similar to this year's team, if we're being honest. You mean the 17-18 um, team? Because that's, that's what I was looking at. The, the 17-18 team, yeah, they, yeah, they, were, they were a top 25 team and beat number 24 Kentucky at Rupp. Again, that's Kentucky. But like that, that was – that's the – the best to what your point of where Tennessee it wasn't a big upset because they were you know an un- unranked team kind of around 500 beating a ranked squad on on the road it was two top 25 teams and Tennessee got a, a 61 59 victory yeah. over Kentucky and, and rough that year in 2018. Is there one and look I don't want to be I don't want to nitpick but yeah. is there one where it's not Kentucky? That's not that's <laughs> exactly like, what I was trying to find was yeah. is if there's there another yeah. win where Tennessee was also ranked uh, and and they got a. A road win because it's not going to be Barnes. The league now years. the league stunk for a few. That, that's what hurts them. Is yeah. the league stunk for a while, yeah. and then they went out and you know like him or not they went out and they got you know LSU went and got Will Wade to improve the profile of that program. And regardless of where this thing ends at and when it ends, I just assume rather than later it's going to end. Um, he that he's been good there. Mm-hmm. How whatever you know point to however whatever you want to in terms of how he was good there. He's been good there. Um, but wasn't there, like, I think, like, five, six years ago, there were, like, three top 25 teams in the league. Oh, yeah. No, like, I, I, I just want to like, see if Tennessee when I was in college, team, like, that, that was when, like, yeah. when, ten, when the SEC first brought in Missouri and A&M, the SEC was having an issue of we can barely get two or three teams in the in the SEC tournament. And that's when they started seeing the change of the hiring of the – of the you know changing the 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 caliber of head coaches in the league, uh, the recruiting go, profile going up, other than just Kentucky, like that that's when things started to change was about ten years ago or so. Yeah, and like that's what because like I said, it's very easy to get yourself jacked up. It's the fans will get you jacked up to go in and go into Rupp Arena and get a win. Mm-hmm. They'll do that for you, like they will. Like that's just because they care so much that you just can't help but care. And, and, like, that's your rival, and, like, I, I've always kind of felt like, you know, I, I've got a lot of family that lives in that state. Like, they don't look at the Tennessee-Kentucky game the way that Tennessee fans do. Like, they look at Louisville as a bigger rival than Tennessee. Like, they do. It's just facts. Mm-hmm. I know that Tennessee has won that game a lot more than anybody else in the, in, in the country. I get it. I'm just telling you. <laughs> like, this in-state, it's a little different. But, like, I, I just want to see Tennessee go on the road and beat a team not named Kentucky. When both teams are, are, are good or legit, don't throw Missouri at me last, last year. Don't you dare <laughs> throw that Missouri game at me. I saw that. I, I, know, I know what you are 
thinking. Yes. I, again, that name that name just popped up in my head. I said, <laughs> I said, you know what? I'm pretty sure that Missouri team was ranked last year. They were. They were. They were like a top 15 <laughs> team when Tennessee played them. <laughs> they beat Illinois. I remember that uh-huh. game because I, I cared a little more about all the other stuff because that was when it was SEC, uh, the SEC uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, don't give me that game, man. Because <laughs> now we have a little bit more information. Because it's because they Missouri got ranked in a COVID season when there was like one I mean like when they played like one Illinois team and beat them and nobody they, knew anything about anybody. Yeah, I everybody they, thought I think they beat Wichita State five. too. Like they they had like wins that looked good on paper and then man Missouri imploded that year. Yeah, like uh, you year. know, I mean, heck, Tennessee was number six in the country at one point. Golly, I yeah, if I recall, like they were top five, top six. Yeah, yeah, like they were. I mean, Springer and uh, because, like they, because they beat their whole not conference was at home because you couldn't travel last year. So there was a lot of stuff that was weird about rankings. Like, man, there's three weeks ago in the season, we have more information. Like, though, so, I don't know. Like, so we've gotten off, we've gotten off track here. I'm just simply saying, I want to see Tennessee. This is the game. And this is your last chance this regular season. This is the game where you go out there and you beat somebody and people are like, wow, that's a huge victory. Because, I mean, you're going into a place that's tough to win. Yep. You are. Like, that's a tough place to win. Like, they don't lose many games away. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, at home. They have not lost a game at home this year. I'm still on Arkansas here. No, I'm sorry, wrong team. Um, Sorry, wrong team there. They lost to, uh, to, to Vanderbilt, of all teams, at home. Of course. Of course. It's always Vanderbilt. It's always know. Jerry Stackhouse, just like, you know, flipping me uh, flipping me the bird. Um, <laughs> so it always ends up being. Like, they don't lose many games at home. And so, like, I'm looking at a team here. This is a great opportunity against a great coach. Musselman's a great coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to have something for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's going to be. I, mean, I don't know how you handle it. You know, can you handle you know both of Tennessee's little quick, you know, explosively quick point guards? Um, that's going to be tough. Like, can they do it? Because I think you get a lot more out of beating a non-Kentucky team on the road than you do by beating the Kentucky team that you usually find a way to beat once a year. You find a way, even in bad years, you yep. find a way. Yeah, and again, that, so, that's been a like lot. That, under, that's what I want to see. Yeah, so that's been a lot under Rick Barnes, and it goes back to my point of yeah, I don't want to take a win over Kentucky for granted. But you're right; like they, they literally have not been swept by Kentucky since Rick Barnes became head coach, and that that's impressive because I don't I don't think there's another UT coach that can say that. Like I don't think Ramirez can say that. Don DeVoe, Bruce Pearl certainly can't say it. Buzz, Allen Houston, Kevin O'Neill, Jerry Green they they all can't say it. So I mean, that's that's impressive. But you're right; like it's it's. It's time for Tennessee to go in this season specifically and go get a win on the road that is impressive because they they've had a couple not bad road wins and it, it's hard. I mean, we're saying this. I, I feel like maybe people listening and saying like we're, we're saying this like it's an easy thing to do. I mean, it's hard for really good teams to go win on the road. Go, go look at Auburn. They lost. They were their one team. It lost to Arkansas on the road. It, it is hard to win on the road in college basketball because especially when you're a top fifteen team or so, or top ten, especially top five. Because you have that, like you said, you have that target on your back. You're a team that you go into that that visiting and env- that that road environment, and 
fans want you to go down, that uh, the team you're playing wants you. Like everyone there is rooting against you, rooting for you to fail, wanting you, to, wanting to see you fall, wanting to see you lose to their team. It's not like you have a home or even a neutral site where it's either 50-50 or maybe sometimes you have more fans than the other team still in a neutral site game. Like it, it's not like that. It is a 80% or more uh, of the fan base there is rooting against you. And it's hard to win in the road, especially in the SEC now. Like you said, the, the profile of this league has been raised over the last decade where it's not easy to go out and win uh, against against Auburn, for example, like it was 10 years ago, or Arkansas like they were 10 years ago. It's a, a much different league even than it was five years ago um, in terms of just kind of the quality of the product and quality of, of really the top half of the league uh, has gotten a lot better over the last five, six, especially the last 10 years. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's why this game to me is just as important, like you said, if not more important, because it's not a home game. It's a road game. And Tennessee has, like I said, like most teams this year, most teams every year, has struggled more on the road than at home because it's you're not used to the rims. You're not used to the court. You're not used to all this different stuff. And I remember people earlier this season, Gene, talking about the, in the, uh, I think Texas Tech game and the balls being different up there in Madison Square Garden or wherever it was. Like it, it's just, I mean, playing away from home is different. Like you're not, the comforts aren't there. You're not, it's not the thing you've, you don't practice in that arena you, or, you know, or I guess you don't technically practice in Thompson Bowling, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's not, it's not what you're used to. And it's, not home. It's, it's out of yeah, the, no, the it's status quo. It's not home. Right. Yeah. And that's what makes the, the tournament such a, a crapshoot is because it's a new environment for literally everyone. No one's playing at home in the NCAA tournament. And that's why it's a, a you see really good teams suddenly struggle because they have, they've been maybe a team that's been really good at home, but has, has had issues on the road that year and just haven't, you know, haven't played as, as maybe as many tough opponents on the road. And suddenly they get a, a poor matchup and it's not in a home environment. And suddenly boom, they're gone. That's why the tournament is just such an equalizer and a, and a again, a crapshoot is because you're not playing in front of your home court. I mean, you can, you can maybe get lucky and get put into a region where you're playing very close to home, but even that's still different than playing, you know, in your home arena. So getting all to that, to this point, to, to wrap up here, Gene, I, I agree with you. And I, I, this Arkansas game is huge. And it, it is interesting. Like you said, it, it's been hurt by the fact that the SEC hasn't been great. Oh, you know, they've just now started to get good, but Tennessee doesn't have that many ranked road wins when Tennessee's also been ranked because they have had a couple here and there, I think, of, of wins against quality opponents on the road, but it's been when Tennessee's not been good themselves. But looking at when Tennessee's actually been a quality opponent and been a ranked team playing other ranked teams on the road, other than Kentucky and, you know, again, a Missouri here and there, but looking at like a, a historically well, well-known opponent or a team that was having success that year and end up being a really good team that year, Tennessee's road wins against ranked teams as themselves being ranked teams are few and far between. So that's a, this is a really good point. Really good, really good point by you. And I, I, I mean, like I, I said it too, I'll, I'll guess pat myself on the back. I, I think this, this Arkansas game is just very, very, very important. Uh, before we do close out, Gene, you, we brought up that Missouri team from last year and I had to bring it back up. Cause you're right. They, they played like, they played six non-conference games before the SEC slate started and they were six and zero, and they were ranked as high as number twelve because they beat a then number twenty one Oregon on a neutral site by eight, eight points. They beat then number six Illinois by three points, and they had a, a true a true road win in the COVID era uh, against Wichita State by ten points. And then, but then right before they played Tennessee, they had barely beaten Bradley of the Missouri Valley Conference by one point at home, and then Tennessee comes and beats them by twenty. So. 
they started out six and zero, and they ended that year. Uh, what did they end that year? Sixteen and ten, and got beat by four um, by Oklahoma in the NCAA tournament. So, just revisiting that Missouri team, just because I hadn't thought about that, I'd, I'd totally forgotten that they had started that year so hot, and then lost Tennessee, and, it, and the wheels came off for them. And that, yeah, that was you're right. That was back when we were doing the. Uh, the uh, I guess well hold on they they I forgot they did bounce back a little bit they came back and beat Tennessee later in January and then and then the wheels came off shortly after that yeah well regardless that team, whole that whole team that, that team that season was last crazy year, man. yeah yeah that whole league was just like it was such a crapshoot because um, we would sit there and talk about it and it was like well we know Alabama's one we know Arkansas's two we don't know anything else <laughs> yeah we know uh, again like we knew that Vandy was 14 and Georgia was like 13 or maybe it was the other way around no, I think, but I think we Vandy knew like four Probably they were yeah Vandy was yeah, Vandy like, finished yeah, we, uh 13 in the league last year Whew. yeah so we all yeah cuz Georgia did have a couple good good pieces i mean they had the point guards at Kentucky now yeah. like that's all we knew last year but like let me let me just simply say this I don't want people to think I'm nitpicking. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything that you can. It's not the worst thing in the world if you go to Bud Walton and lose. Right. Yeah. I'm just simply right. saying there's so much you can gain from a victory. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm. That's where I'm at. Like it's not about. I'm not going to come back on this podcast next week and say, "Man, they had a chance. They blew it. Man, they stink." I'm not going to do that. Like I'm going to sit there and. Be, you know, I want to be as fair as I can about the game that was played, but I, I'm just simply saying there's so much that you can gain from this victory in my eyes and probably in a lot of people's eyes because this is a good Arkansas team. I don't think they're ranked, but they're good. Maybe they are. They are. Right. Yeah, they're know. number 23 right now in the AP poll. Okay, so they're yeah, so they're 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 good. Uh, yeah, I was, I was not surprised that beating Auburn gets you ranked. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, like that's, that's what I'm saying. Like that, this is a good, even if they weren't ranked, this is a good Arkansas team that's tough to beat at home. And like, there's so much to gain for this Tennessee team because can you follow up a big win? Can you follow up a huge win against a good Kentucky team that was the number one seed as recently as yesterday before the game? Uh, yeah. You know that's such a that's going to be those ones and twos and with all that stuff, it's going to be crazy. But that was a one seat before yesterday, and you and you kind of handled them easily. But how can you build on that? Like that's that's what I'm watching for. Like how do they play? Like it's not whether they win or lose. Can you go out there the sort of with the sort of performance that when I watch, I can take positives from. Because I want to take positives from losses. I want to look at negatives and wins. Because it, it, it's, you know, if we lost, well, how can we, you know, this is what we did well. How can we bid on that? If we won, what are the negatives? How can we improve on those negatives so they don't happen again? Like, that's how you improve as a team. You know I mean, like, and that's what I'm looking at. Like, so I'm not, if they get beat by six, seven points, and it's one of those, you know, they're fouling at the end of the game, and Marcus Hall knocks down some free throws, and it gets to nine, ten points. Because five years from now, all people are going to look at it and say, man, Tennessee got beat by 10 or whatever. But, like, in the moment, you're watching the game. Like, man, that's, that's a winnable game. Mm-hmm. It's a winnable game. And, like, you can do a lot from that. Like, if you get that game on a neutral site, it's a winnable game. You get rid of the, you know, the crowd, whatever. 
and just take advantage of that. Like that's what I'm looking for. Cause that's what I want to see. So again, I, I just didn't want people to think so. Well, you know, here he is just trying to just move the goalposts. I don't. It's not about moving the goalposts. I'm just simply saying there's so much that you can gain nationally from beating a team of Arkansas's caliber because it's not about the ranking. Because that's to me, college basketball, the ranking is a crapshoot, completely a crapshoot. Um, and you know, like I'm not looking at it from that perspective. I'm just simply looking at it from we all know that this Arkansas team is good. Yeah. Probably not as good as last year, but they're good. And you go into that environment and win that game, and now it's like, okay, now going to the last two weeks of the season, we think this team has a chance to be special. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, there was something else I was going to say to add to that, and it has since slipped my mind. I'm, I'm working off of like five-ish hours of sleep because of the game last night, so uh, bear with me. Uh, I, I think I did a good job holding up here, but... I think that's that's a a good spot to end this, Gene, because uh, there's plenty more I feel like I could talk about. But yeah, this this Arkansas game is really important. We like, we could look ahead, and look at other games, but, but I genuinely think that you know to to kind of like you just did, like to operate like a coach, to think like a coach. Like I don't want to look ahead. I want to look at just this up this one game coming up. I don't want to look at what's after that too much because this game is very important. And you know, and, and for all fans listening, you, you, you can focus on those Kentucky win all you want. You can focus on whatever you want to. You're, you're not the one playing. You don't have to worry about, you know, oh, I, I have the focus for this game. I have to do this because if, if I don't do this, we're going to lose. You're not the one playing. Y- y'all can do what you want. Y'all can, you know, go make, go, go poke fun at Kentucky fans, do anything you want to, because you're not the ones playing it. Tennessee's players, they, they enjoyed that win last night. And they're probably enjoying it still uh, a little bit today as we're recording this on a Wednesday. But I guarantee you by the time Thursday morning rolls around, that game will be forgotten and it'll be focused, just zone in to focus on Arkansas because that is a that is not gonna be an easy game. That is a very important game for Tennessee for their their postseason hopes, uh, for you know, not just SEC tournament, but NCAA tournament. That that's a again, that is a quad one caliber vic- game for Tennessee on the road. They have I think one quad one victory on the road right now is against Mississippi State. I, I think all the other road victories for Tennessee are quad two games. So they, they need to get another quad one uh, road victory would be huge for them. And, and that would help them and, launch them into a potential three seed in the NCAA tournament at this point too. Well, and what, one thing that hurts Mississippi state as we, we wrap this thing up, they stink. <laughs> like they haven't won a game away from, from home. Yeah. Like that. So how good are you? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I just, I, I want to get off my chest. Another thing I want to get off my chest. We talk, you know, we talk about it occasionally. We talk about it sometimes. We don't always talk about them, but I think that people are being too hard on this Tennessee Lady Balls team. I don't think anybody expect. People got people change their. I feel like a lot of people change like their their tune about this team when they you know got jettisoned up to number five, six, seven in the country. This was never all that great of a team. They don't have great players. Uh, they've got a couple good players, but they're not like the Tennessee Lady Vols teams of old. You get a lot of voters that get really excited because Tennessee's winning a lot of games against a bunch of average teams. Look at their wins. They don't really have – they beat a couple low low to mid top 25 teams. Um, but they're they're an average – in terms of what Tennessee Lady Vols basketball is, they're not nearly that yet. I think they'll get there as they, you know – stack a couple more recruiting classes on top of it, but they're a really good team. And I would not judge that Connecticut game just off of the result. 
Um, if you look at some of the guys, I mean, some of the players they've got on that team, some of the women that they've got on that team, I, I, I was very adamant about, you know, people like, you know, Alexis Dye, who were, you know, were limited in some things they can do. Um, they've got some pretty they've got some players who are pretty good at one particular thing. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be too hard on that team because, like, this is year two of that, of that, or you know, probably really year two to me of that rebuild because that first year was just let's just get to the end of the season and then let's start recruiting and then you get COVID. And, uh, so I, I just wouldn't be. I just wanted to get that off my chest. Two things I want to get off my chest were just those two things. Uh, it's, it's a team that's going to have a good season. But we'll see what happens Sunday. Uh, they've got, obviously got a huge game against South Carolina. I, I just would not get too uh, high or low about this team because, no, they're not the 1998 team. They're none of those teams. Uh, they are the early goings of a team, that a program that has a chance to be really good. Uh, and, that's, and I just try to leave it at that because right now it's just too early for me to judge just what she done because I mean she's taking true I mean not true go she's taking graduate transfers that can't shoot um her all I mean she, you know she's got one shooter I mean I think the Darby girl can shoot and maybe and I, they've got some they've got some younger players that have a chance to be good Puckett Darby um the other little guard that I think got hurt the other night um when maybe they've got or Kaya Wynn one of those two <laughs> But yeah, I just I just want to get that off my chest. Like, there's still some talent there. It's just young, and they're going to be good in time. No, I, hey man, I, I'm happy for this to be your therapy session. We we can we can do it for you and me both uh, here in the season as it goes on and off season and stuff. We're, we can be a therapy session for all fans listening too. So I, I don't care. You get whatever you want off your chest, man. I've, I've done it before too. So no, I, yeah, I just wanted to because we haven't talked since that Tennessee Kentucky. I mean, uh, UConn. Game. Oh yeah, yeah. That's and I and I, and I and I felt and I knew. I had a feeling that the the social that the reaction would be really, you know, hostile towards them. And I and I watched I watched a, a percentage of that game, and I'm like, who's the worst player that UConn has? You know, Westbrook, who was the best player in Knoxville two years ago, three years ago. I mean, like that's like that's the worst player they have. <laughs> so I mean, and they're not and they're missing their best player. Yeah. So. I just want. I just did not want to. I, I just did not want this to be an indictment upon. Well, you know, she can't coach. No, like I think people got too high on this team because everybody is just clamoring for the Lady Vols to quote unquote be back. I mean, like there's certain programs in the country that you always just want to be back. You know, the U in football. Um, you know, Texas. Although I don't really, really, I really remember a time that was before that was before my time that. Texas was consistently always good. Uh, like there's there's program Notre Dame. Like there's programs that will always get the benefit of the doubt, and the Lady Balls will get that. Like they're good, they're not quite there yet. But you know, like the fact that she's got them to the point where people are itching to put them in the top five, that just speaks to the fact the job she's done. Uh, I'm not here to protect coaches or anything like that. I'm just saying, like you watch that team play, they're good, but they're good and they're big. Uh, the backup post player Green that went out that hurts. Yep. Um, you know, like I, I've I've always argued. Like I think that uh, the, the the other post player, six seven girl, Key, she's good defensively, not great offensively. 
that she scores points is because she hits five layups when she's five inches taller than anybody guarding her. That doesn't make her a great offensive player. She's great defensively. She's great at blocking. She's a lead at blocking shots. So two things she does. Um, like, and when you just look, I mean, like, they, they're basically rolling Orson out there to say, hey, go be Will Smith on that episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And, um, and, Ray, and, and Ray Burrell, you know, hit some shots. And, and she, she has limitations when she puts the ball on the deck. Like, they're, they're good. Like, please, don't get me wrong. They're good. They're just not like that elite good where you are expecting them to be in the Final Four. They may get there, but nobody's expecting it, like in terms of just how – yeah, well, I, I think you're right, and I think it's uh, that that's a good place to wrap up because I mean we we get the whole another segment about Lady Vols stuff, and in fact, I hopefully will have another. They get there, they're just not there yet. Yeah, I think we'll have I'll have another Lady Vols uh, podcast, hopefully not too long after this one comes out. So if y'all are interested in that, obviously pay attention to that, and they'll be out in the same feed that you get your this podcast and on the YouTube channel as well. So uh, thank you all again for tuning in to the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. Really, really appreciate it. Again, like this video, subscribe while you're here, and again, leave your comments down below and, and let us know your thoughts on anything and everything we said here. And again, subscribe to us if you want to listen just to the audio on any podcast network uh, you get your podcast. Signing off for Gene, I am Nathaniel, and this has been another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss a new episode. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for more video content. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Thank you, Vol fans.